Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Go with me to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. I'm going to read two verses to you, and then we're going to dive in to our message. If you don't have your Bibles, that's okay. We got them up on the screens to the sides, and let's read. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, here am I, Abraham replied. Then God said, I want you to listen to what God says here. Take your son, your only son, whom you love. God is like putting an exclamation mark on that thing, okay? He said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Now now listen, this is where it gets a little strange, okay? It gets biblical real quick. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you on this thought that I've entitled Unreasonable Love. Unreasonable Love love. Hey, let me pray for you just for the hearing of God's word. It's my custom to do that. And then we're going to dive in. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, for your presence that is here, your spirit that has been moving all throughout this service. And now, God, as we stop to hear from your word, as I speak to this crowd, would you speak to the individual? Would you deposit what every person uniquely and individually needs to hear in this moment? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands and you may be seated. Let's talk about unreasonable love. How many of you guys know that love will make you do some crazy things? How many of you know that love will make you do some unreasonable things? Just things you would not have done had you not been in love. Let me tell you about a story back when I was a youth pastor. And uh, at the previous church where I was at, I was the youth pastor for a number of years. And there was this young man in our youth group. He was an old soul. He was a senior in high school, but he was like 17 going on 60, you know. And it's like one of those old souls. And, and we noticed that he always wore denim blue jeans and a black T-shirt. It was always denim blue jeans and a black T-shirt. Now, it might have been different variations of a black T-shirt, But it was always a black T-shirt, and it was always blue jeans. And I asked him one time about this. I said, hey, this is like kind of your fit, huh? This is just like your wardrobe. You've you've just got blue and black. And and it was absolutely like, yeah, I wear blue and black. That's the only thing that I wear. That's the only thing in my wardrobe, just very matter of fact. Well, he graduated from high school, and and shortly after, a couple years later, he went on to get himself a girlfriend. He went on to get himself a little girlfriend, which is great. It's all great. But I'll never forget the Sunday where Mr. With blue jeans and black T-shirt comes walking in on a Sunday. I think I heard a collective gasp of air in the church as he walked in with a pink T-shirt and white jeans. Pink T-shirt, white jeans. Love will make you do some crazy things, right? Mr. Blue Jeans and Black T-shirt was wearing pink and white. I mean, there was no middle ground. There was no transition to red or to green. He went from black to pink. And that's when I knew this young man is in love. Come on, you've seen that before, right? You just knew this young man, he's in love. Let me, I don't want to throw him under the bus, so let me, let me go ahead and just tell you my story. You see, when I was dating my wife and when I was pursuing my beautiful wife, Joanna, which, by the way, next month we're celebrating 19 years. Come on, somebody. Coming up on 19, we're almost at 20. 
You're probably looking at me and doing the math in your head. I'm from Chula Vista. We got married at nine years old. It's legal there. It's different in the South, I'm telling you. I'm, ki I'm kidding. But, but, but I remember when I was dating my wife, um, she was a, a college student, and while she was in college, she was also working at Target. Come on, this was Target before it was French, you know what I mean? She was working at Target, and um, she, she was a student, so she'd work four or five-hour shifts, and so she'd get a 15-minute break. Well, you know what I would do because I was pursuing her? I would make the drive from my house to the Target where she worked just to spend 15 minutes with her. Now, if you're wondering what's the big deal, it was a 50-minute trip to get to where she was. So it was like 25 minutes to get there, hang out with her for 15 minutes, 25 minutes to come back. I spent almost an hour on the road to see my girl for 15 minutes. Hey, young men, you need to take some notes, some of you young men. You guys are just sliding into someone's DMs. That is just way too easy. You'll never know the struggle of showing up for a 15-minute break. Love will make you do some crazy things, right, Lighthouse? Love will make you do some crazy things. Now, I say all of that, and that's all lighthearted. But I want to take you back to our text here in Genesis, which is definitely an unusual text given the day. But here in this passage of Scripture, we begin to see this, this foreshadowing, this, this looking ahead, this story that was in the present, but it was pointing to something in the future that was all about unreasonable love. Can you all say unreasonable love? And as I said just a minute ago, and for those of you that are writing things down, and I love to give you all notes, I want you to write this down. If you're not taking notes, that's okay. You can write this down anyway. But love will make you do unreasonable things. And here in Genesis chapter 22, we have this story where God speaks to Abraham. And Abraham is now the father of faith. He, he gets the title of the father of faith, both to the Jew and to the Christian, which, which is pretty incredible. And so Abraham was a man who, who followed God. And God said to Abraham, I'm going to give you children, and I'm going to make your descendants like multitudes of nations. And, and, and you might be thinking, that's an incredible story. Yay for Abraham. The only thing is God told Abraham that when he was 100 years old. So that's where the story gets real interesting. It's not just yay for Abraham. It's like, can God actually do this? Like, can, is it possible for a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old wife to actually have kids? Well, in the, in the Bible, we read that God did something miraculous just to show everyone that this was a God thing. And sure enough, Abraham and his wife, Sarah, well, Sarah, she conceived. Anyway, she did the hard work. But anyway, they had a kid and, and, and. And then we get to this passage of scripture where, where they finally have this kid that they had been waiting 100 years for. So now this kid's probably a teenager, 13, 14 years old. And God says to Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son, the one that you love, and I want you to offer him up to me as a sacrifice. Can you all say a sacrifice? sacrifice. Now, now, when, now listen, I, I know for those of you that are visiting here today, you're like, this Bible is crazy. <laughs> this Bible makes no sense. And it's not sacrilegious to think that at all. There are some stories in the Bible where you read them and at face value, you're like, but why? Like, why would God tell Abraham to offer up his son as a sacrifice? That makes no sense. Well, fast forward to the end. We know that this was just a test. God was testing Abraham's heart. He never actually took Abraham to the point of sacrificing his son. But all of this was God testing Abraham's heart. Because God unreasonably loved Abraham. God so loved Abraham. What he wanted to do was see, Abraham, do you love me back in the same way that I love you? Abraham, do, do you love me enough 
to offer up your only son as a sacrifice because what I'm getting ready to do through your life, Abraham, defies logic. What I'm getting ready to do through your life, Abraham, is a miracle. I just want to know, can you handle that miracle? If I do this for you, will you still love me? You see, because sometimes we only pray to God when we want something from him, and when he does it, we don't talk to him no more. I know, I'm supposed to be nice. It's Easter Sunday. But the the truth is sometimes we have this very one-way relationship with Christ where we we pray when we need something. And and that's what Abraham was doing. But now that Abraham had a son, God wanted to know, do you still love me now that I've answered your prayers? And I think in the same way God will do that to us, he'll want to know, do you still love me now that I've answered your prayers? Do you still love me now that I've given you all the things that you dreamed of having when you were a kid? And so God is testing Abraham. He wants to know, he wants to know, will you do what I'm asking you to do? So Abraham does it. Abraham goes to his wife, Sarah, and lets her know, I've got to take my son, our only son, and offer him up as a sacrifice back to God. I can only imagine how that went with Sarah. Could you imagine of all the crazy things? She's like, Abraham, now you've had some crazy ideas, but this is the craziest idea that you've ever had. But both of them were so committed to their relationship with God that I think they figured that if God provided for us once, he can provide for us again. If God did it for me once, he could do it for me again. If I stay faithful to him, he's going to be faithful to me. And if I stay committed to him, I'm going to experience his commitment back towards me. And so off Abraham goes. Now, we get to the point of the story where I began to start seeing some application about love. And I began to see some notes about why we lean in to what our father asks of us. And here's what I want you to write down. Write this down. Love is selfless. It is not selfish. Love is selfless. It is not selfish. And, and you might be thinking to yourself, like, like but, but, but what is that? Why does that even matter? Why, why is that even worth saying? Well, because in 2023, I've seen the definition of love flipped on its head. You see, it used to be that if we love someone, we gave. If we love someone, we sacrificed. If we love someone, we, we would lay down our lives for that person. But now more and more, love is being self-centered. Love is becoming selfish. If you love me, you let me do what I want. Well, I'm not going to let you do what you want if it's not for your good. I'm not going to let you do what you want if I know it's going to lead you down the path of destruction. But, but, but more and more, love is being redefined as us first, self-centered, my way or the highway. And all throughout the scripture, it says that's not what love is. As a matter of fact, there's a passage of scripture, 1 Corinthians 13, 5, and it says love does not demand its own way. Love does not demand its own way. That's selfishness. That's not love. Love is selfless. Love gives and i know that it's not culturally appropriate to say this anymore but this was true of the bible and it's still true of today it was true of the bible and it's still true of today love is selfless love gives love lays down its life now the bible says this talking about love and talking about the greatest kind of love john 15 13 says this greater love everybody say greater love greater love love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for a friend That's what the Bible says, the peak of love right there. The greatest type of love is a sacrificial love. The greatest type of love is a love that will compel you to lay down your life for your friend. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, what is this verse trying to talk about or who is this verse referring to? Well, this verse is referring to Jesus because Jesus laid down his life for you and he laid down his life for me. Jesus laid down his life for all the world, those that love him, those that serve him, those that oppose him, those that believe in him, and even those who don't agree with him. 
or don't even believe in him. Those that would call him nothing but a myth, it's a fairy tale. The Bible is not true. To those people, he also laid down his life. He laid down his life for everyone out of love, out of love. Now, as I said a minute ago, Genesis chapter 22 points to the future story because God asked Abraham to lay down Isaac, but he didn't have to sacrifice Isaac. When you get to the end of the story, God halts the whole thing and he said, this was just a test. I'm paraphrasing, but God said, this was just a test of your heart. This was, I just wanted to know if you truly love me. Now, when you fast forward to God having to provide his son Jesus as a sacrifice, Jesus goes all the way. Isaac pointed, uh, Isaac pointed towards Jesus, but Jesus gave his life. Jesus laid down his life. And we read this in John 3.16. I'm sure y'all familiar with the verse. You might have even seen this with the John Cena 3.16 reference. And if you're wondering why I know that, I got little kids, okay? I got a 7-year-old, a 9-year-old, and a 13-year-old boy. But John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but they are going to have eternal life. Come on, clap your hands if you know that scripture to be true. Come on, let's celebrate that if you know that to be true. Again, I, I know this verse gets appropriated into other cultural things, and that's fine, but we know the truth of it is that if we believe in Christ, we're going to have everlasting life. If we believe in the sacrifice of his son, we're not going to experience death the way others experience death. If we believe in him, we're going to live, and we're going to live again because our faith is in him. Why do you say that, Pastor? Why would you say that you were going to live and you're going to live again? Well, I want you to know what Jesus was on was he was on this love mission to give you eternal life. Jesus was on this mission to reconcile, reconcile you back to God. John 13, 1 says this. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I have so many verses in the Bible that are becoming my favorite verses in the Bible, by the way. Okay, so I may say that about 10 more times. But John 13, 1 says this. It was just before the Passover festival. This is, this is just a few days before Jesus dies on a cross for you and I. And it says, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. And I want you to pay attention to this right here. This just floored me. It continues to floor me every time I read it. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them until the end. He, he loved his followers right up until the very end. He was so in love with you. He was so in love with me. He was so in love with us that he was going to go to this cross. He knew that he was about to die an agonizing death, but he was getting ready to do that for you and for me. And he did that out of love. Would you just say love one more time? When we go back to the story of Isaac and Abraham, there's this moment where Isaac is following his dad up the mountain, and Isaac is smart enough to know that his dad said, we're going to go sacrifice on the mountain. He hadn't told Isaac, you're the sacrifice, but he just told him, like, we're going to go sacrifice on the mountain. And Isaac's sharp. He reminds me of my 13-year-old son, Jaden, who is sharp. And Isaac says to his dad, Dad, we have a knife, we have a wood, but where's the sacrifice? Could you imagine your son asking you a question like that? And Abraham looks at his son, and he doesn't want to lie, because obviously that would kind of thwart the whole religious experience that was about to happen. <laughs> and I know some parents, we were, we were tugged with that, right? We're like, oh, Lord, do I tell a white lie in this moment? My kid's on to me. But, but Abraham said this, and it becomes true, and it becomes a prophetic statement. Abraham said this, God himself will provide a sacrifice. It's actually in Genesis 22, verse 8. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on 
um, together. Now, once you understand what Abraham said was not just for Isaac in that moment, it was for us as well. What Abraham said was a prophetic thing. He said, God is going to provide a sacrifice. And, and what Abraham didn't know and what we now know is that God so loved us that his sacrifice was his son, his only son. And the same way that Isaac was Abraham's only son that could fulfill this obligation of the sacrifice, Jesus is the only son of God who could do this. I wrote this down in my notes. It says, love compelled the father to give us an unreasonable gift. And that unreasonable gift was his son. He so loved us that he did not withhold his son as a sacrifice for us. Now, this, this gets real interesting. I'm going to throw in here a theological twist, okay? Hang with me a little bit, all right? But last Sunday, we talked about the seven I am statements that Jesus made in the Gospel of John. Where, where John's writing, John's letter, there are four Gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But John's Gospel presents Jesus as the Messiah. And in order to do that, he has to tie Jesus um, uh, as the great I am to, to the same God who spoke to Moses all the way back in the book of Exodus, the second book of your Bible. And so in those seven I am statements, I want you to catch one of Jesus' I am statements. Jesus said this. It's in John eleven twenty five. Jesus talking to Mary and Martha. He said, I am... The resurrection. I'm going to just pause right there, okay? Can y'all say resurrection? resurrection? Jesus said this. I am the resurrection. He goes on to say, and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And, and what Jesus was saying was this. Resurrection is not an event. Resurrection is a person. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. What Jesus was saying is this. It's impossible for me to die. Because if you try to kill me, I'll get right back up again because I am the resurrection. Resurrection is in me. That's why Jesus would go into a grave and just say, Lazarus, come out of the grave. And Lazarus had to respond because the resurrection had spoken over him. Because Jesus is the resurrection. Now, now you might be thinking, Pastor Josh, you're going down a rabbit trail. What does that even mean? You see, the disciples didn't get this even though he told them this. Had they understood what Jesus said when he said, I am the resurrection, then they would have known that it was impossible for Jesus to die. It was impossible for the nails on the cross to kill him. It was impossible for the, for the whip that they used to lash him to kill them. It was impossible for them to do anything to kill him. They couldn't kill him. But do you want to know what Jesus did do? He laid down his life. There's a difference there. You see, they didn't kill him. He laid down his life. He made the decision to lay down his life because as the resurrection, it was impossible for them to kill him. And what I love about all of this is as he did that, as he became, as he, as he lays down his life and as he goes through the act of a death, he goes through all that just to get to the point that he resurrects three days later and when he resurrects three days later he does that to show us look at your neighbor and say he's showing you come on I want you to tell him that he did this to show you I want you to get this now that death hell and the grave could not hold Jesus death hell and the grave could not hold Jesus now that's good news but can I give you some great news if you believe in him then death can't hold you too if you believe in him then a grave can't hold you too I get it. You're probably thinking, oh, my God, I don't know what he's talking about. you got to understand, in our faith, in the Christian faith, 
We believe that death is only the separation of our body from our spirit. And though our body is buried, our spirit lives on with him forever. We get to go back to the Father and to be with him forever, together with our loved ones. Come on, how many know that this is the good news of the gospel? How many know that this is a tenet of our faith? I know sometimes people get a little, oh, God, we talking about life after death? Absolutely, because that's the whole point. He came and he died so that we wouldn't have to die, but that we could experience everlasting life. How do we do that? By believing in him. Come on, clap your hands if you believe in him. I'm going to come to a close now, but there's this passage of scripture that I love. I told you I'd say it again. <laughs> 1 John 3, 16. Now, you guys know John 3, 16. That's the real popular one. But did you know that John kept on writing? Like he wrote the gospel of John, but he wasn't done. He wrote some more letters, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. He would later write the book of Revelation. But, but I want to read 1 John 3, 16. Because if you understand the Bible, and I love having these conversations with some of my Bible nerds in this church. We're all my Bible nerds. We're my Lighthouse College students, my Bible nerds. We just love just, just, just digging into the word of God and, one of the things is sometimes we read the Bible as if it's static. There's no passing of time that happens. But there's, there's, from the time that John writes his gospel to the time that he writes his letters, there's decades that have passed. And what happens in decades worth of passing time is there should be growth, there should be maturity, there should be development. And I love what John says in 1 John 3.16 because we know John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But do you want to know what 1 John 3.16 says when he just stayed in this a little longer? It says this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life. Now that sounds familiar, right? It's like, hey, John, you already said that. But look at what he says next. Now that he's grown, matured, his faith has developed a little more. He goes on to say, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. What is John calling us to do? He's calling us back to love. The same way Jesus laid down his life as an act of love. He says, now you who have put your faith in Christ, you too should lay down your life for your brother and your sister. You might be asking, who is my brother? And that's a great question because someone else asked that question in the Bible as well. Said differently, they said, who is my neighbor? Because a lot of times when we hear brother and sister, we tend to think, oh, well, it's, it's people that look like me. It's people who vote like me. It's people who agree with me. That's who I should lay down my life for. Listen to me, friend. That's easy. I'd lay down my life for any one of my family members any day. But that's not the definition of a neighbor or who the brother is that they're talking about. Sometimes we're asked to lay down our life for someone who looks different than us, someone who votes different than us, someone who shares just, just core different ideologies about the world that's your brother and your sister. I'm so concerned with where we're headed as a nation because we are so quick to ask a question and depending on your response to that question, you're there, you're there, you're right, you're left, you're red, you're blue, you're Republican, you're Democrat. And we're so quick to just put everyone on opposite sides of a room when the truth is we have so much more in common than we do that's not in common. And love compels us to lay down our lives for one another. Let, let, let me rush this last part. Another worship team, come on up. I love when psychology catches up with the scriptures. 
I love when science catches up with the scriptures. I say that because this is a, this document is thousands of years old, the Bible. And there was a psychologist, Abraham Maslow. You guys familiar with him? And he has Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And in his hierarchy of needs, he says, there are some basic needs that we all have. The first one is the need for safety. We need to feel safe. The second need is we all need to be loved. The the next one is we all need to have self-esteem. We need to be esteem one another. And then we get to the pinnacle, which is self-actualization. And to to, to self-actualize simply means I need to fulfill my potential. I, I have been... My life has been wired with gifts and talents, and I have potential, and self-actualization is me realizing my potential. If a millennial said it, it would say you're living your best life, okay? That's what self-actualization is, is you living your best life. Or you know how some people say, I'm going to just do, I'm going to be the best version of me. Well, self-actualization is the best version of you. And that's the way Maslow's hierarchy of needs stood for a very long time. But Maslow, like John, grew and got older. And near the end of his life, he reassessed this thought of his hierarchy of needs. And he came back and he said, I think there is something higher than self-actualization. I think there is something that will actually lead us to greater fulfillment than just me living my best life. And he called this transcendence. Can you all say transcendence? Or you might also hear this called self-transcendence. But what he said was... You can get to this place of self-actualization where you are living out to your full potential. But he must have realized that as he was living life to his full potential, something was still missing. Or said differently, someone was still missing. Now, psychologically, he called this transcendence. And what he said is to get to this place of self-transcendence is when you get to this place where you realize that your life belongs to something. That the, 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 the highest form of fulfillment that you'll ever have is when you are giving yourself to something that is greater than yourself. When you belong to something that is bigger. When you're not living life just for you and for yours, for you to fulfill your own potential, but that you get to this place where you want your life to matter. And how is your life going to matter? Because you are going to lay down your life for your brother and you're going to lay down your life for your sister and you are going to be unreasonable with your love. Listen to me, Lighthouse Church, and let me just say, listen to me, Christian. This is the place that God calls us to live, the place of unreasonable love. While the world wants to separate right and left, while the world wants to put us one against another, there was a movement 2,000 years ago of people who stood in the middle, loving on the right and loving on the left, loving on the red and loving on the blue, if you will, loving on people that that agreed with them and loving on people that didn't agree with them. And this is the place where Christ calls us to live. This is the place and the space that he invites us into. I don't have time to argue with strangers in the comment section of social media because I just, there's just so much more to do with my life. There's just so much more to do to let people know about the love of Christ. There's just so much more that is going to add value to my life if I just let love lead me. And Lighthouse Church, this is the place where he's calling you today. This is the place where he wants you to live. If you have never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's where it begins. Because when you make him your Lord and when you make him your Savior, he is going to reprioritize your life. And the people that used to get on your nerves, you're going to start loving them. And the people that used to drive you crazy, they're going to be your new BFF. They're going to be your new friend. Who can do that? None other than the love of God. I said none other than the love of God. Only God's love can change the heart of a person in that way. 
So can I just pray for you right there where you're at? Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person in this place and this space right now. God, throughout your Bible, we see these acts of unreasonable love. Abraham loved you beyond reason, was willing to lay down his, the life of his son out of his love for you. And then you came and you flipped the script and you gave your son, Jesus, out of your unreasonable love towards us. And you laid down his life for us. And the good news of the gospel is he didn't remain in that tomb, but he ascended. He's seated on your right hand. He is the king of this universe. He is our King Jesus that we've been singing about today. But beyond that, Father, you now say to us that we should do the same. Resurrection is not a day to celebrate, but resurrection is a lifestyle of laying down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. And my prayer right now in the name of Jesus is that we would receive you so that we would receive the power to do that. We can't do that on our own strength. So, so many of us just get triggered by the mention of ideas or people who hold to ideas that are different than ours. We, we get so upset. We get so triggered by that. And so we can't even fathom loving someone who looks different, who votes different, who has different core ideas than us. We can't even fathom loving them, Lord. But that's where you come in. When you come in, you shuffle all the priorities of our life. You change everything. You turn what is upside down, right side up, and you give us the power to love. And you give us the power to love others. So would you do that now? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, here's the last thing we're going to do. And I'm going to turn it over to the worship team, and that's how we'll end our service. But I'd like to invite you to make a decision to receive Christ. If you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never given your life to him, if you're here today because it's Easter and you came to check a box, let me tell you, I'm so glad you're here. We worked really hard to get this place ready for you. And we love welcoming you here. We love having your family here. But if something's tugging on the inside of, or inside of you, or perhaps you're compelled to make this more than just a day, but you'd like to enter into a relationship with Christ, in a minute I'm going to give you a chance to respond. But I want to just also let you know that on the other side of that response is I've actually written a book to try and help you. I wrote a book called It's Not Complicated, Taking the Mystery Out of Following Jesus. This is not a book plug. What I'm trying to do is so many times we want to say yes to something, but we want more answers. Well, this book has the answers to the questions that I believe you might have if you leave a meeting like this. And you might be thinking, does it really have all that? I can tell you that those that have read it, there's so many more people that are feeling like I at least know what my next step is and I know where I'm supposed to go and I know what I'm supposed to do. I got a lot of work to do, Pastor, but at least I feel like I'm on my journey. So that's something we want to give you as our gift to you. But like I said a minute ago, I'd love to just make this call. If you've never received Christ and today's the day that you'd like to make a decision to follow him, I want to pray with you. So here's how we're going to do it. Can I just ask you one last time to close your eyes and bow your heads? I do this for the privacy of people who are going to get ready to respond. Because so many people want to make a decision, but they're like, I don't want anyone looking at me. So you all just close our eyes, bow our heads. And if today you want to respond to the love of God, if today you want to live a life in the middle, if today you want to reprioritize your life and let God in and let him take control, would you throw that hand up right now? Just say, I want to do it. Today's the day. I'm going to reorder my life. Thank you. I see you. I'm going to reshuffle my life. I'm going to make him the Lord of my life. Thank you. I see you. You may put your hands down. I'm going to pray over you. And then we're going to enter into a time of worship. And like I said, for those of you that rose your hands or maybe you're like, I'm not going to raise my hand, but I believe, Pastor. 
right after this service, go to that plaque canopy. Let them know you made a decision. We got a book that we want to give you, and we just want to stay connected with you on this journey. Let me pray for you one last time. Father, for everyone that just made a decision, Father, more important than me seeing them, you saw them. I believe that you saw them, all heaven saw them, and you are rejoicing that they are making a decision to follow you. Now, God, we know that they're going to have a lot of questions. I just pray that you give Lighthouse Church the wisdom to come alongside them and to journey together with them. But, Father, more importantly, would you continue to reveal yourself to them? Would you continue to show yourself to them and to walk this journey together with them? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, let's stand on our feet now. We're going to end this with some worship. Thank you so much, Lighthouse Church, for coming out today. We love you. We can't wait to do it again next Sunday as we start our new series. Happy Easter, everyone. Have a great rest of your day. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.